Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 291. This week's show is all about you, as I'll be answering more of your listener emails. Questions this week include, is the key worth it? Whether or not to get travel insurance, who to book a shore excursion with, and so much more. Here we go. In the category of good problems to have, the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast email inbox is ever-growing. In fact, it's overflowing, and I decided to take this week's episode and dedicate it back to you guys and answer your questions. There's so many great questions and thoughts and suggestions that I wanted to share in this week's episode, so we're going to dedicate this episode just to answering your emails, and of course, if you want to send in your email to be read on a future show, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. First email this week is from Stephen, who writes, Hi Matt, love your podcast, your enthusiasm is contagious, and I always enjoy listening. I have a question about cruising on a ship right before it goes in for a refurbishment. My wife is a school teacher, so we only have specific dates during winter break available for cruising. I have found a cruise in 2020 that matches her week off, but it's on a lure this season. It looks like it's the last week before she goes in for a dry dock. The last cruise offered on Allure is in February 2020 until bookings open again in November 2020. Can you confirm the schedule for Allure? I'm worried the crew will be fatigued looking to end their contracts. I'm also worried the ship will not be maintained as well since it's about to undergo upgrades. Should I forget this itinerary altogether and consider something less attractive? Are there other concerns I should be worried about? Finally, are there any potential benefits from the last thing I have not considered? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Stephen, thank you for the email. Actually, I don't think you should worry about it. First and foremost, no. They're not going to be like, it's not like senioritis where it's the last, you know, week before summer break and, you know, the teachers are showing you videos from, uh, you know, <laughs> just to pass the time. No, 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 no. Uh, first and foremost, crew contracts are not necessarily tied to the ship schedule. In fact, crew contracts are largely independent of the ship's schedule. It'll vary from person to person, so uh, that would not be a concern. Second of all, I would not be worried that they would let the ship uh, languish in any kind of way. They take a lot of pride in the ship's upkeep, and to say that they would do that would be certainly not correct. So, from that standpoint, you should have no concerns about it. Really, in my opinion, the only concern you should have, Stephen, is FOMO, fear of missing out, in that by the time you get around to your sailing, just about, in fact, probably a couple months before that, Stephen, we're going to know exactly what allure is going to have being added and or changed on board the ship. And what may end up happening is you're going to look at it and be like, whoa, those changes sound pretty darn cool, uh, but they're not going to be available for my sailing and you're just going to miss it. Now, obviously, as you mentioned at the top of the email, you're subject to a schedule, so it is what it is. So I wouldn't necessarily you have you worry about that. As an example, Stephen, when I went on Independence of the Seas, in uh, November of 2017, it was right before she got upgrades in 2018, and I had a great time on Independence of the Seas, and it was fabulous ship, really, really nice time, but then, you know, <laughs> a couple months later, she got all these awesome upgrades, and I was like, oh, I wish I could have been on there, but the reality is, it, there's, it's not a mistake by any means, and going on sailing right before or close to a refurbishment is not a mistake by any means. It's not going to be in this just, you know, squalor or, you know, kind of this, you know, uh, laissez-faire approach to maintenance by any means. I think you'll have a great time, Stephen, and uh, Allure, you're never making a mistake by going on a waste class ship, in my opinion, so I think Allure is a great choice. Next email is from John Tyre, also known as F-L-A-C-P-L-N-J on Twitter and Periscope. Hello, Matt. We're booked on Independence of the Seas in a two-bedroom grand suite for November of 2019. And then Allure of the Seas doing a back-to-back in uh, three two 
in three two-bedroom grand suites for a family reunion. My question for you is, with the introduction of the key program, do you see this as the watering down of the sea and sky suite perks, removing the uh, suite lounge and concierge and coastal kitchen from allure from the key? It seems the perks are pretty close. On Independence, I see little advantage of the suite other than the extra room. The perk for the suite lounge and coastal kitchen are simply not worth the extra thousands of dollars. We enjoy the priority boarding, departure, priority tender, and better show seats. We don't enjoy standing in line, which is why we sail on suites. I'm beginning to think I should have booked the balcony cabins along with Voom and the key. Do you have any insight to add? Keep up the great work. You know, John, I don't think that there is... Uh, no, I don't think the key is going to come at the expense of the suite program. What the what the key offers guests is, first and foremost, a VIP experience. It's really a suite light experience because there's very few perks of the suite program that are uh, that that come with the key. Primarily, it's the priority embarkation disembarkation, right? Um, the fact that you get internet included on an Oasis or Quantum class ship as part of the Star class or sorry, part of the Sky class and also Star class, you get the internet included in there. But don't forget the it's John. You're while well, it's included in your room, they're paying extra for it. And actually, we just saw as of uh, a week or two ago the price of the key program go up. So, you know, the price of the program is is going to be a variable that's hard to necessarily predict. And second of all, there's not as it's not like it's a carbon copy of the suite benefits by any means in terms of those rooms. I mean, I think at the heart of it, the reason you book a suite first and foremost is for the room. It is a significantly upgraded stateroom by far. I mean, you're talking about compared to a balcony room or any other room, you know, having that large bathroom, the upgraded toiletries, the the full-size bathtub, walk-in closet, giant balcony, giant room. Those are perks that should not be overlooked. I mean, if you're booking a suite, if you're booking it purely for a priority embarkation, yeah, you're overpaying cuz you're supposed to be taking advantage of the fact that it's a suite. But if you're, I, but I don't think I think most people who book suites are not only looking for that; they're looking for a couple of other things, namely the the larger upgraded stateroom experience. The concierge access, by the way, is huge because the concierge has a lot of pull on board the ship, not just for embarkation uh, purposes. There's a lot more that goes into it, and anybody who here who uses and takes advantage of the concierge would probably tell you that that alone is a is a major program. Also, don't forget in the concierge lounge or suite lounge, whatever they want to call it. You get uh, complimentary alcoholic beverages in the evening, whereas key guests do not. Um, I really feel like the key benefits people that are that fall into three major categories. They got to check all three boxes to make it. I think now, I don't want to say it's not worth it. With if you don't get it, but I think these three categories really make it an easier decision to get the key. If you are uh, not, if you don't have a very high stand, standing in Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, so below diamond. Number two, you were already going to buy the internet anyway. And number three, you are not staying in a suite. And I feel like if you check those three boxes off, that's fine. But again, John, I don't think that the the suite perks you get are necessarily a one-to-one with what the key offers. Is there a little bit of overlap? Yes, but not a lot. It's not a carbon copy of the suite benefits. And also don't forget, as part of the Sky class, when you're staying on an Oasis-class ship especially is you're getting some really interesting benefits. Uh, you have the the, you have the sun deck, which, again, key guests do not have access to. Uh, there, there's quite a bit that comes with it that I think uh, you may be overlooking in comparing it. So while there is a little bit of overlap, it's not tremendous. And, no, I don't think this will come at the expense of it. I think the sweet program that's um, that's currently running, especially on the Quantum and and Oasis class ships, you know, better known as the Royal Sweet class, is truly uh, in a, well... 
pardon the pun, a class by itself because it really does offer quite a bit more perks than just simply what the key offers, um, you know. So hopefully that, that answers your question there, John. It's an interesting uh, program, and it's still kind of early, and it, it's still it's an infancy, you know, and a lot of that what we're seeing currently is still very much being worked out, and we've seen a couple changes even since the program's inception. But I think as we get go forward here over the next couple months, I think we'll see probably a more standard offering going forward. Let's go to our next emails from Robert. I met my family and I recently sailed an adventure this season, which was a fantastic trip. And while on board, we booked three more cruises. The agent from Next Cruise asked if we had an agent we were dealing with, and based on her recommendations, I decided to give MEI Travel a try. While the Next Cruise agent was entering our information into the computer, I quickly fired off an email to MEI and was immediately replied to by John. We had everything up and ready to be transferred in a couple of minutes. Better yet, I woke up to an email this morning from John advising us that the Kids Sale Free promo applies to our October selling out of Boston and that he had already applied the discount and an invoice was attached. I rarely scour for deals, so it was fantastic to leave it up to John, which ended up saving us $1,000 on our selling. I highly recommend using an agent and thus far have nothing but great things to say about MEI. The entire family loves your podcast. Keep up the great job. Rob, thank you so much for the email, and I'm so glad to hear that you are enjoying the services of our sponsor, MEI Travel, Rob. I mean, look, they are a sponsor. And, you know, part of me mentioning it here is, you know, part of that deal. But at the same time, it means even more to me, Rob, to hear that you're getting the kind of service that I expect any sponsor uh, of RoyalCreamBlog.com to be able to provide their customers. I mean, it's not just I'm not here to shill just anything and everything. To me, it is about the partnership. And I've worked with MEI Travel for a number of years. I know their staff extremely well, and they do a fantastic job. And what Rob just described is... It's it's what I expect. I expect that kind of high level, um, you know, personalized experience, and that that's awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Next up, we have an email from Brittany McEnroe, where I say, Matt, my family is getting ready for our first roller ring cruise in March on Allure this season. We're super excited. I've listened to your podcast and YouTube videos in the last few days to get ready for our cruise. They have been such a help and have answered many of her questions. So I just want to say thank you. I have a couple of questions I was hoping you could answer, but first I want to tell you how this cruise came about because it involves Disney Cruise Line. It's truly funny how this vacation wasn't supposed to happen at all. We were originally going to be taking a Disney cruise for the same week. It's my five-year-old son's spring break. We had cruised at Disney one other time about two years ago, and I'm not going to lie, we loved it. Somewhere along the way, we decided to ask my mother-in-law to come along for the fun. She, of course, said yes, never having been on a cruise before. We, however, didn't try to book her to our existing reservation with Disney right away. And by the time we did, the ship was already at capacity. To say we were bummed would be an understatement. To add insult to injury, when I went to add our onboard credit for my previous selling with Disney, because somehow my husband didn't do it when we made the reservation, they moved up our final payment date by three weeks to the following day. We were shocked and dismayed. It was, it was a pretty penny what we still owed, and even though we could have swung it, I wasn't comfortable paying in full and taking the chance we still might not be able to take my mother-in-law book to go with us. My husband and I talked long and hard about that night, about whether or not we should just cancel the trip. His mom had been so excited about coming, we didn't uh, get to see her much. She lives in Texas, and we live in the Florida Keys. Finally, we decided it was just best to cancel, and we knew we could get a full refund still for what we'd already paid, and that when we became open to looking for other cruise lines. It was Black Friday weekend anyway, and I remembered a couple of years ago, my manager had booked this honeymoon cruise with Royal Caribbean on Cyber Monday and got a great deal. Seeing as it was right around the same time, I looked into Royal Caribbean, and man, am I glad I did. I was able to book all four of us in two adjoining balcony rooms for the same amount of nights, the same amount of stops as Disney, for less than it would have cost for just myself, my husband, and my son. 
Royal Caribbean has been so helpful. Every time I've called with some question, their customer service has been spectacular. I've only had to wait four months for this cruise, and it's been killing me. I'm so excited for it. I don't know how people book for years in advance. I wouldn't be able to stand the anticipation. Now for my questions. Number one, I watched one of your YouTube videos, and it was talking about the booking excursions. From what I understood, you said that if you booked an excursion to Royal Caribbean and had trouble getting back to the ship on time because you were delayed in transportation, be it traffic or the bus broke down, the ship would either wait for you or Royal Caribbean would get you to your next port. My question is, do they do this for third-party excursions booked through them as well? Uh, let's start with that question, Brittany. The answer to your question is no. Uh, the One of the benefits of booking an excursion through Royal Caribbean, and this is pretty much true, I think, of most cruise lines, is that they, they provide you with a guarantee that if you book an excursion through them, that they will stand by you, and if there's any issues with a delay getting back, if you miss, you know, if all aboard is five and because of traffic or a breakdown or whatever, you're delayed, you know, a little bit, the ship will wait for you, or at the very least get you back on board, you know, meet up with the ship later on. And of course, this will all be at Royal Caribbean's dime. So that is a benefit to do so. But if you book an excursion on your own, no, that is not a benefit of it. Now, that might sound, whoa, why would I want to book an excursion on my own? That sounds like, that sounds very risky. Well, the reality is I book excursions all the time on my own. And I think what it boils down to is time management. I think the key is if you're supposed to be back at five o'clock, you know, don't plan on getting back at four o'clock. I plan on getting back many hours beforehand. Now, granted, that limits the amount of time I have in port. I would also counter-argue that, well, most of the time, that's more than enough time to do the excursion I'm looking to to take advantage of. It's not like I'm looking to necessarily, you know, if if we're there for 10 hours, spend 9 hours and 58 minutes in port. It's not necessarily my goal. And in all the ports we've ever visited, you know, certainly maybe in some ports I would have liked some extra time, but I've always found enough time, sufficient time, to do things on my own and still get back with plenty of time. So really, in my opinion, it boils down to time management, to making sure that you have enough time. I remember, we I think I've shared the story on the podcast before, but we were in St. Thomas and we went to Megan's Bay. And Megan's Bay is on the other side of St. Thomas. So, you know, you take a taxi, we did it on our own. And I remember that there was a, we shared a taxi with a, I think there were a couple who were cruising on a different cruise ship, I believe a carnival ship. And they were not managing their time well. And there was traffic involved. And they it came to the point where they just had to jump out of the taxi and literally run to catch the ship. Now we, because we always plan on this, we always anticipated, you know, again, not just an hour uh, buffer, but, you know, two or three hours. So the traffic didn't matter much and just ate into that buffer and we still have plenty of time. So yes, if you book with Royal Caribbean, that is a nice benefit. And depending on your plans, you know, that may be a good idea. As an example, if you ever do any shore excursion in Cozumel, it takes you to the mainland for Tulum or Chichen Itza or anything that involves going to the mainland in that ferry, I always recommend using Royal Caribbean's excursions just to protect yourself against that kind of a possibility. So, you know, it, it depends, but I, I just don't want you to think that you should never book with, without Royal, you know, without Royal Caribbean. I think that's a mistake, but there is something to be said about what they offer there. And certainly, look, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's your risk tolerance, it's your cruise. I, I'm, you know, you can take it for what it is, um, but. You know, it certainly is a, I would say that if, of all the benefits you get by booking through Royal Caribbean, I would probably say that that particular um, option or the benefit that Royal Caribbean will, you know, back you up and make sure you get back on board the ship is probably at the top two or three uh, perks that most people cite. All right, back to Brittany's question. Number two, what are some of the things that you would consider a must do when it comes to onboard activities on alert? Oh my gosh, there's so many great things. You got to see the Broadway show, Mamma Mia. You got to check out all the amazing signature activities on board the ship, specifically in the uh, 
pool deck and an activity sports deck. In the back, you've got the flow rider, rock climbing wall, zip line. You got to go do the carousel on the boardwalk. You got to go to Central Park. You got to see the live music. Go to Jazz on Four. You got to eat at all the different venues on there Sabor, 150 Central Park. I mean, Brittany, it's. <laughs> I could dedicate a whole episode to talking about what to do on Alert of the Seas. My advice to you, Brittany, is do as much as you can. Keep in mind, number one, you won't be able to do it all in one sailing, but. Uh, definitely prioritize the signature uh, dining on board. The specialty dining is really nice. And also those activities that are only available on the Oasis-class ships. And Brady's last question is, what are some things that your kids love to do? My son is pretty easygoing. He still remembers how much fun he had on Disney. And I want to make sure that the same can be said on this cruise. Thanks for everything you do. Uh, you, have, you have been such a wonderful source of information and have saved me several phone calls to Royal Caribbean. <laughs> Brady, thanks for the email. And uh, in terms of my kids, you know, my kids, first and foremost... The heart of their cruise experience is at Adventure Ocean. That's the uh, children's programming on board. And uh, they just love it. It is, they call it camp. Uh, they just go there. For them, it's an opportunity to do what they want, play with other kids. It's an escape from mom and dad, is really what it boils down to. And I think that they really, really, really enjoy that. So, first and foremost, get your son signed up on embarkation day, get him in there, get him acclimated. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. They do a great job. There's a lot of activities. I think your son's really going to enjoy that. Now, beyond that, in terms of what's available on the ship that they're really going to enjoy, my kids like trivia, believe it or not. It's kind of fun for them to see if they know anything. In fact, I remember first time I ever took my, my oldest daughter to trivia, and I was like, okay, she wants to come to trivia, whatever. She'll just sit there and you know drink a Shirley Temple while I play. And there were like two questions she legitimately knew the answers to. Like one of them was how many hearts a octopus has, and I have no idea. But and actually, as I say this now, I still don't remember what the answer was. But but she knew it because the answer was in uh, the Finding Dory movie, which I had never seen. So she was like, she just spouted out the answer. I'm like, really? I'm like, how confident are you? She's like, yeah, it was in the movie. Sure enough, she got it. So it's kind of fun. But uh, you know, there's a, beyond that, you have of course the car- the carousel and the boardwalk. The entire boardwalk neighborhood is really cool for them. I think they're really going to enjoy that. Um, I think it's it just a lot of what Disney offers carries over to what Royal Caribbean does. I mean, obviously, you're not going to meet Minnie and Mickey or the other princesses on board, but there's that family cruise experience is very similar on Royal Caribbean, Brittany. So I think you're going to enjoy it uh, equally as much. In fact, you might even like it better, which is how, honestly, we felt over the years comparing the two cruise lines. All right, let's go to our next email. It is from Susan Widowson, a.k.a. Cruising Susan. Last May, we took a nine-night cruise on Anthem of the Seas. Had lots of fun, but we missed the Royal Promenade. Shortly after returning home, I discovered that I had breast cancer, a mastectomy, and reconstruction, and several months of recovery left me cancer-free. During my recovery, a favorite activity, besides listening to your podcast, was to plan our next cruise. In December 2017, we had booked our first Alaska cruise southbound, portside balcony, on the radiance of the sea. Since we were going to go all the distance, we wanted to spend some time in Alaska before the cruise. We looked at the land tours options for Royal Caribbean. My engineer husband actually had a spreadsheet with what each tour offered, but... We didn't find any that would give us what we really wanted. I spent a lot of time looking at websites on Alaska, and we began our planning. We found a wonderful website that has more ample info on touring Alaska, which is www.alaska.org. Through them, we found a travel agent, Alaska Tour and Travel, and through them, we've come up with our own itinerary, staying at places that interest us and doing some exciting activities. We'll be flying to Fairbanks on June 13th to start our vacation before getting on the ship in Seward on the 21st. Some of the things we'll be doing in Alaska are a riverboat cruise, plane ride to a glacier, ATV ride to Denali, the train from Fairbanks to Denali to Anchorage, Aliska tram tour, boat ride to 26 glaciers in Prince William Sound, renting a car to drive between Anchorage and Seward so we can stop off 
before some sightseeing, beluga whale watching in Turnagain Arm, Whittier Tunnel, and Exit Glacier all along the way. So far, we've booked the zip line in Icy Strait Point through Royal Caribbean and plan on booking a whale watching tour in Juneau. Wow, Susan, that sounds like an amazing, amazing Alaska tour. As someone who just did Alaska for the first time, Susan, I am so jealous because that sounds unbelievable. And you know what? What Susan, if you want to, if you want to find the central theme to what Susan picked over there, it is quite simply that Alaska offers such incredible options all along the way to see and do. And there's there is just so much. And there's that's what we learned when we went on our first cruise to Alaska. We were just like. We need to come back. We, we need to come back, like, not in the next 10 years. Like, we need to come back, imme- you know, not immediately, but much sooner than that. And, uh, Susan, I am I am so glad to hear that you're cancer-free and that you have an awesome, awesome sailing coming up there. That sounds like a great, great time. Next, we have an email from John Green. Let's enjoy your blog and podcast. He told me if the Royal Caribbean app has chat available yet on Mariner of the Seas. John, thank you for the email. As of the recording of this podcast, the answer is not yet. Uh, they just expanded the chat feature from just Alert of the Seas to Harmony of the Seas. But, John, it will eventually make it across the fleet. But when? I know that's your follow-up question. Okay, well, when will it be available on this ship or that ship or this ship? No one knows. No one outside of Royal Caribbean knows. Royal Caribbean has not mentioned anything uh, to us about that. So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, there's not a whole lot else we can I can share with you. But the answer right now is no. But eventually, the answer will be yes. And, of course, as soon as we do know, by the way, when there's new releases or updates to the app, I always post it at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our next email is from Keith from Montgomery, Alabama. But listening to the podcast after booking our cruise on Navigator this is four nights on Memorial Day weekend to Nassau Perfect Day Coco Cay. And based on what I've gathered from listening to you, it seems as though I've done a bunch of stuff the wrong way. Number one, we didn't use a travel agent. Number two, I booked an inside room for two adults, a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, when I could have booked two connecting rooms and possibly received a better deal. Number three, I believe I got a good deal as I took advantage of the New Year's deal that Royal Caribbean was running on their website, but I sure didn't book a cruise in advance and probably missed out on better deals. And number four, I scheduled my, my time dining, and after listening to the podcast, I believe I made a mistake there as well. I'm trying to salvage what I can figure out how to make this more enjoyable for my family. My wife and I sold them Majesty back in 1999. We've been on two Carnival cruises since then, but wanted to give Royal Caribbean a, another try as we always knew it was better than Carnival. Is it too late to get a travel agent involved at this point since I booked through Royal Caribbean's website? was wondering if they could uh, put us in two rooms rather than one at this late stage of the game and how much extra it would cost. Any tips would be welcomed. I really enjoy your work on the podcast and on YouTube. Keith, thank you for the email. And first of all, Keith, don't look at it like, oh, you made some serious mistakes, your cruise is ruined or anything like that. It's not the case. Could you have maybe done some changes, could have done things differently that would have been, in my opinion, a better path? Yes. But let's go through what you did. Number one, you didn't use a travel agent. Well, if you book through Royal Caribbean, you have up to 60 days from when you booked to transfer to an agent. If you didn't, well, that's okay too. You know, it's just, it's on the end of the world. And plenty of people have had great cruise vacations without a travel agent. Something to keep in mind for next time. Number two, for the inside room, for four of you basically, again, personally, I that's not my style. But again, you're also going on a four-night cruise. That's not the longest sailing in the world. How much time are you really going to spend in your room, right? It, you know, it's it's not ideal by any means. I think as a parent, you understand that sharing a room, sleeping in the same room as your kids is not perfect. Sharing one bathroom with four people is not perfect, but certainly doable. You're not the first to go this way. It won't be the end of the world. And again, how much time will you really be spending in your room on a four-night cruise? Seven-night cruise, it's a different story, but for four, I think you'll make it worthwhile. 
In terms of booking as advanced as you can, look, I mean, that's just the name of the game. You know, uh, there's a lot of times people book cruises not necessarily that far out. And for four-night cruises, three- and four-night cruises, most people only book those maybe less than six months ahead of time anyway. So you're not, like, you're not outside the 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 curve, the bell curve of bookings. Uh, just something to just keep in mind. Again, and lastly, you said you schedule my time, Diane, and you think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a mistake. I, I think that I prefer traditional, uh-huh. Keith, but... My time is a great option, and a lot of people swear by my time, and it's really convenient. It's great if you're not wanting to adhere to a specific schedule. So I think that um, I, I wouldn't look at number four with my time as, as a mistake by any means. But, uh, you know, I think give it a try and see what you think about it. And if maybe for your next cruise, Keith, you book when you, when you get to rectify the issues you did with one, two, and three, you can switch over to traditional and give that a try. Now, if you really do want to try and change it to traditional, usually they will allow that. Um, you can call, since you booked directly with Royal, call Royal Caribbean, ask to be changed to traditional, either early or late seating. If there is no availability, Keith, make sure you say, okay, that's fine. Can you please put me on the wait list for whichever one you're looking to do? In my experience, the wait list almost always come through. Worst case scenario, Keith, get on board the ship on our vacation day, go to the main dining room, ask to speak to the head waiter, and they can usually accommodate you. It's They're pretty uh, flexible, especially once on board the ship. So I don't think that'll be a major problem. But, you know, Keith, I think the bottom line is don't look at it as mistakes. Look at it as room for, you know, things you can change for your next booking. I still think you're going to have an awesome time on Navigator. Uh, you're going to Perfect Day Coco Cay. You're going to go uh, check out the brand newly uh, revamped Navigator of the Seas. I, I don't think that's... I think you're still going to have an awesome awesome time and i hope that uh you don't let these things uh you know get in the way of that great cruise because you picked a night really really nice choice next we have an email from christy diallo just recently found your podcast and it's great we're taking a harmony of the seas cruise in august and we're so excited i was wondering if you've purchased the key and if so how was the experience and if not why second question do you recommend travel insurance i was told not to purchase the royal caribbean wanted to get your opinion on this and third question i checked your blog for the cruise compass for the eastern caribbean cruise but there's not one for the cruise that is a seven night eastern caribbean that docks in st thomas st martin and coco Cay. do you have an old cruise compass available thank you very much for your time keep up the great work i'm gonna go in reverse order of your questions christy any and all cruise compasses i have are on the website so if it's not there it ain't there um I will tell you that still a past cruise compass for an Eastern Caribbean cruise, even if it's not the exact same itinerary, is still going to help you with what's available on board. Like, what's happening on shore is irrelevant to what you're doing. At the end of the day, Christy, I think you're going to have an opportunity to find some uh, insight into the activities offered. Basically, you're looking at, you know, look at it from a ballpark standpoint. Not like necessarily saying, oh, I need a one-to-one, 100% same itinerary. That would be ideal. But it's still going to offer you insight into what activities are going to be offered, the timing of it, things of that nature. So I still think there's value in it. And certainly, Krista, keep checking back because your cruise is not until August. And I get cruise compasses every week from folks. So you never know when we'll get one in there. Perhaps somebody listening to this episode says, oh, I'm going on one next month. And for St. Thomas, St. Martin, and Coco Cay, I'll, I'll share it in there. So. And, of course, don't forget the reason, probably the number one reason I don't have one for that particular itinerary is because Coco Cay is not available to Oasis Class Ships yet. It'll begin in May. So... We wouldn't get one until the earliest would be May. Second question you had was, do I recommend travel insurance? I My answer to travel insurance is everybody needs to consider it. I would never sit here and say everybody should get it. For a number of years, I never got travel insurance. And now I get travel insurance, Christy. And really, the decision is very much a personal one. It's a lot like any insurance plan you get, right? You know, whether it's uh, homeowner's insurance, car insurance, um, you know, any of them. It's about, number one, what is your risk tolerance? 
you know, what are you willing to, you know, how much risk are you, are you at? Are you a fairly healthy young person who doesn't, you know, have any health ailments or, you know, issues and, you know, you're pretty much good to go, then probably travel insurance isn't necessarily a big deal for you. I mean, I, like I said, I would probably cruise for easily 10 to 15 years without ever using travel insurance. And then we had an incident and I said, you know what? I'm going to sleep better at night with travel insurance. So I started getting it. Have I ever used it? Nope. But it's something there that makes me feel better about it, quite frankly. Um, but in terms of not booking through Royal Caribbean, like all insurance policies, it's really important to understand what the insurance includes, what it covers, uh, and all that. The policies, there is not one set policy for everybody. And what Royal Caribbean offers versus third parties is going to is going to vary considerably. So really, Christy, what you need to do is have an honest discussion with you and your, and your family and say, okay, what are we looking for? What are our concerns? What are our, you know, what what are we looking for in travel insurance if we, were, if we were to get it? What would it cover? What would it realistically cover? Don't assume it covers. Like, you know, are you worried about a particular scenario or, you know, how much is it going to cost to get the kind of coverage you're looking for? And is that worthwhile to you? And again, what are your risk factors? If you're someone who has high blood pressure, has had a history of, you know, of health ailments, well, obviously, travel insurance may be a lot more uh, uh, important to you. Perhaps you have somebody, uh, a dependent, that you have to care for that may come up at the last minute. Again, travel insurance may be an issue for you, may be helpful for you. If you're traveling from an area of the country at a time of year in which there's notoriously bad weather, you're coming from the Northeast, snowstorms, blizzards, the Midwest in the spring when you get tornadoes, I think that's, I think that's when that happens, right? You know, things that can impact your, your, your vacation or your ability to get to the cruise, travel insurance may cover it. But again, what is your risk tolerance? What are you looking to get into it? My advice is don't just automatically disregard what Royal Caribbean offers. My advice is look what Royal Caribbean offers, look at the price, look what it covers, and then compare that to other policies and companies that are out there that offer that and find the best fit for you, knowing that it is okay not to have it, by the way. I mean, as has been pointed out before, some major credit cards do actually include some form of, of travel insurance to begin with if you book your vacation through that card to begin with. Number two, you may not have a lot of risk factors. I mean, you know, if you're a, a couple or a solo person who has no dependents or in fairly good health, and you know, you're not you're not jump you're not planning to jump off any cliffs or you know do anything crazy on the cruise. You're just looking to go on a you know nice relaxing Caribbean vacation. Odds are, statistically speaking, it's probably not going to be an issue for you, right? But like all insurance, you know, it's you're probably paying for something you'll never use, but if you ever need it, boy, is it nice to have. So there you go. And let's go to your your first question, which is our last question here. Uh, the key, is it worth it? I'm actually going to be trying the key for the first time while I'm on board uh, Mariner the Seas coming up in March. But we have a full review of the key at royalcaribbeanblog.com. You know, the key really boils down to, and I mentioned this early in the episode, but again, uh, Christy, if you don't have a high standing in Crown and Anchor Society, you're below diamond, you were already going to buy the internet anyway, and you are not saying in a suite, then it can be worthwhile. But like the drink package, like so many other things in life, it behooves you to take advantage of it. Like, I would never tell you, oh, you should buy the the key. Everybody should buy the key because it's not the case. If you're not going to take advantage of the signature activities, if you're not interested in the internet, you know, basically you need to make sure you're taking advantage of what the key offers you. So if it is, if, the, if you're checking off, you know, three or four things over there that sound pretty cool and then you say, yeah, I, I was either going to do that anyway or that would really help us out then go for it. I think it's a, you know, that'd be worth it. It's it's a splurge, Christy. Think of it like if you're going on an airplane, right? You book a flight and you get to the you get to the airport and like, "Oh, uh, Christy, welcome. Um, you know, for only X amount of dollars more, we can upgrade you to business class, or first class, or extra legroom space," right? 
in what's the answer to that question? Well, it's a splurge. It's, do you do you feel like treating yourself and going for it, or is it like, nah, I'm fine where I am? That's kind of how you should look at the key as well. So thank you for the email, Christy. Let's move on to our next email. I think it's our last one for today. And that is from uh, Diane, who writes, we're selling on Vision of the Season July for 12 nights. Originally, we could only see balcony cabins if we put in three passengers. Now, we can see availability with two people per cabin. Is that normal? Also, has there been any different rate for guaranteed versus pick your cabin? Any tips for getting, for paying, getting around rather, paying higher fare? Really would like connecting cabins, but it's $400 more per person. Diane, ooh, interesting questions here. So let's start with the first one. Uh, originally, you can only see balcony cabins. You put three passengers in, but now there's available for for two. Is that normal? Yeah, I mean, availability will change all the time. Diane, people cancel. People, ch- you know, rooms change. It's not unheard of. So certainly, um, yeah, especially since you, I mean, you sent this email in probably about four or five months before your sale date. And by that uh, token, um, that's fairly close in for a um, for a tw- for a longer sailing. Most people were booking that much further in advance, so you only had a certain subset of availability to begin with. So, no, it's not. It is normal. Yes, it is normal, and uh, you know, um, it is what it is. Now, in terms of, is there always been a different rate for guaranteed versus speaker cabin? Yes. So, if you pick your cabin, you'll pay more than guarantee. Guarantee, basically, you're telling Royal Caribbean, okay, I want to say in this category or higher, you get to pick the room but I pay less money. That's the trade-off, so to speak. And the advantage is you'll pay less money than picking your own, but Royal Caribbean will pick your room for you, which means what they're going to do is they're going to hold back Diane's room and say, we're going to hold back this room from Diane for a second, let other people book their rooms, and then whatever's left over, we'll use that as to give Diane the choice. Because again, people are paying more for the ability to choose their their room. Not, that's not to say that the room that you're going to get is a bad room by any means. You're just, it's kind of rolling the dice a little bit. And in terms of, are there any other tips to get around paying higher airfare, or paying higher fare, rather? No. I mean, you pick the guarantee room, but that's basically it. Um, I mean, you could try playing the game, you know, of, of trying to time a sale or something like that. But I don't recommend that, Diane, because as you get closer to your cruise, generally speaking, over time, the price only tends to go up over time. So my recommendation is, if you, you know, if you want connecting cabins, but it's $400 more per person, that's a lot of money, then, you know, maybe don't get connecting, get adjoining or rooms that are sort of near each other or go for the guaranteed same money. I mean, it really boils down to, I think, what's more important to you? Paying a little bit more money and getting the connecting cabins you want, in which case you're happy, but you maybe you're, you're not booking as many excursions or it comes with the cost of another cruise you're booking, or would you rather save that money and, you know, go for the, the roll of the dice, so to speak, but have more money in your pocket for, for something else? It's there's no, there's no right or wrong answer, Diane. It's really going to boil down to what you're interested in and kind of where where your comfort level is, both financially and also logistically. So I, I wish I could give you, I'm not going to tell you, you know, you should do one or the other. I mean, $400 or more per person is a lot of money. I'll tell you that much. And if it were me, I'd probably just either just go for one room or, I mean, look, we have young kids, so I don't think we could do two rando rooms that are not connecting. I think it was, we're either doing the two connecting rooms or we pay for all of us in one room. But 400 more per person, even at two people, that's $800. That's a lot of money. I mean, it's 12 nights though. So you got to look at it from that lens also. It's not quite, you know, we're not talking about a seven-night cruise. Like, you can already see, Diane, I'm going back and forth in my mind already. So really, it's about, I think it's going to boil down to the money. You know, and, and this is what I would tell my wife at the end of the day is that, look, it's it's money. This is a problem we can control. Are we, do we want to pay a little bit extra, you know, and, and, and sacrifice the money in exchange for a better setup? Or are we willing to, you know, save that money, spend it elsewhere, and then, you know, suck it up, so to speak, when it comes to the setup? That's the only question you can answer, Diane. So 
Thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for sending in these wonderful emails here on this week's episode. Love it. Uh, of course, if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon.